Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Do you want to spend more time with your kids? Do you know that your kids need more time with you? Do you see your kids on technology too much, but you want to do something about it? What about you? Are you on your technology and missing out on time with your kids? Well, we're going to talk about all of that today. There was information that came out this week. I was actually really, really surprised by it. There was a paper released by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of Emergency Physicians, and the Emergency Nurses Association. And here's the deal. Children, I'm talking about children, are inundating emergency rooms with not injuries, but mental health concerns and behavioral concerns. The emergency rooms are not prepared. They are not ready to answer the needs of these kids because it's an emergency room for medical issues, not the crisis of mental health and behavioral concerns that are occurring. What's interesting is that on average, when these children end up in the emergency room, they're breaking records, you could say, in terms of length of time stayed in the ER. On average, a person going to the ER is usually there for about five hours. Yet with these children with these mental health and behavioral concerns are there for an average of 17 hours. Joining me today to discuss this is Jordan Almanzer. He comes from Colby Academy, and I thought this really does tie into the whole challenge surrounding education, Jordan. We're seeing a lot of people today who are concerned about school choices, everything from education, indoctrination, to the sexualization of children, to even how children are socialized today. So when I saw this story, I want to talk later about practical things, and I will, about how you can be more present to your child, and the best thing you can do is give your time to your kid. But I think that you really have a keen insight on this, Jordan, from the perspective of education in both the Catholic perspective, the parents' role, and specifically what's happening with kids today. Welcome to Trending. Let's discuss this. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's always good to be on the show. And I, I was shocked when I when I read the statistics in that piece. Um, I, what, what I, my kind of take on this is people. It's another indication that people don't know where to where to turn. I mean, they're yes. taking children to the. Uh, to the ER, which doesn't really make sense, but but they are at a loss. They don't know where to go. And so they, they figure at least there they will get some kind of attention and it's misaligned attention and, and mm-hmm. it's uh, overwhelming the ERs as the article right. points out. And I think it ties in with education in the same way that people just simply don't know where to turn for, for what to do with their children. 
Like you said, I think parents are at their wits end, and that stood out to me as well. My initial response was, really, the emergency room is the behavior that bad? And we're talking about everything from depression and anxiety to suicide and just outright aggressive behavior that parents don't know where to turn to. And so I think that's where our Catholic faith and practical guiding principles about the roles of parents, I think are key to helping solve this. And I think a key one, at the end of the day, a lot of these studies keep coming back to the need for children to be affirmed, the need for children to have more time with their parents, and just the over, uh, or should I say the pressure that is overtly, I think, inundating young people today in the education system from the way testing modules are running to just how education is being passed on. How do you see parents' role in education and, for example, the role of Catholic education being an answer to this? Yeah, that, I'm glad you pointed that out, Timory. The, the idea of the pressures, um, the pressure coming from all these various sources, I think that's what causes a lot of confusion in these kids. So even if, you, if you're from a religious family and, and you go to church and then you're dropped off at school for, for all these hours, it's basically a form of adoption with, and it's strangers that you're trying to please and you have pressures on what do they expect from me. And these pressures may be different than what you've been learning at home. And I, at least in, uh, in my experience at Colby, what, what, what we've really been able to do is sort of unify that. So it's like a, it's, it's a singular voice. So one of the principles at, at Colby and, and in, amongst all, uh, you know, a lot of these, these um, classical Catholic academies, um, one of the things is that you, you want to be an extension of the parents' decision in education. And so you don't ever usurp what the parents' um, intentions are. And the people that come to us are typically already aligned with what our mission is. And our mission is the same as theirs. It's to sort of empower the, the parents to be educators at home. And the parents are really the ones who are in the best position that know what the children need. And again, when they take them to the ER, it, it shows the, the desperation of, uh, you know, I can't do this. I can't, I can't handle this myself. And so a lot of um, homeschooling, the homeschooling movement, and that is empowering parents to show them, no, you can't. You're actually in the best position to assess what your child needs and to give them what they need. I'm so glad you bring this up because parents, as we are taught as Catholics, are the primary educators of their children. And I right. think that this is one of those symptoms where we forfeited that role of education, whether it's, hey, you know, I pay this money through my tax dollars, I send my kid to public school, or I am being nickeled and dimed by my Catholic school in order to send my kids to Catholic or any other form of private school because I want my kids to have a Catholic education or a private school education. Yet what's happening is that kids across the board are really struggling when it comes to behavior, over-sexualization, indoctrination, and just overall performance with regard to education. And so when we talk about education and kind of principles with regard to education, the Catholic view of education isn't so much a, a focus as the secular culture is on math and spelling as important as that is and the role the parent has in providing that education, but it's also in character formation, in truth, in Christianity. Can you talk a little bit about how that perspective on education is a more of a well-rounded approach to addressing the whole person. And I think truly, Jordan, giving a sense of peace of mind and knowing truth and pursuing it for children. 
Right. Yeah, that that's what you say about the the formation really is is the key part because you you learn even even in subjects that are very important philosophy and and um, you know the whole classical education movement and it, and it's bent towards like creating these these free individuals who are able to think the the idea behind that is is that we're forming people and when you're in a religious school that has a mission the mission being that the child becomes closer to God in the end. I mean, that that's really the, the number one thing. When those things get misaligned and out of place, and then it runs haywire. And so I, I, I feel sorry for these for a lot of these kids who are in these schools where they're having to try to please strangers and strangers whose ideas aren't the same as what their parents have told them at home. No wonder a lot of mental health is, is that you issues are that you don't know which voices to listen to and when you're being told different things from all different sides it's that's very dangerous so if you get into a school and i I would encourage people to look for people that have your ideals look for schools that have your ideals and uh and and that may be homeschooling believe believe that god has put you in a position that you are the primary educator of your 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 own children and you know what's best for them. And so if you outsource some of those things, at least look for a place that has your same um, your your same family mission in mind and that will support that. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. And if you're just joining me, you're listening to Trending with Timurai here on Relevant Radio. Joining me today on the show is Jordan Almanzer. He's the director of alumni and public relations for Colby Academy. And we are talking about really startling news that there was a joint paper that came out from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American College of Emergency Physicians, and Emergency Nurse Association addressing the fact that our emergency rooms, medical emergency rooms, are being inundated with children, children who are experiencing severe mental health crises from anxiety and depression to suicide and aggressive behavior. And Jordan, as you pointed out, parents don't know where else to go for these mental health crises and they're at their wits end. And so we're talking about solutions from an overarching education perspective because education is impacting mental health from the fact that parents need to be more involved and being the primary educators to that moral, faith-filled, truth-centered education to, as you're saying, Jordan, how kids are struggling with needing to please strangers rather than sometimes their parents. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on parents playing a key role in finding solutions for this from the perspective of, I think, today's education system, Jordan, doesn't allow children to be children. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the big challenges, whether it's the over-sexualized content or the over-emphasis on testing. What are your thoughts, especially from the perspective there at Colby, in terms of allowing kids to be free to be children still in the midst of their education and parents helping have oversight with maintaining that safety net for them? Yeah, one of the things at Colby is even even if you're a full time online student, um, you you we have this we have this sort of slogan that's embrace the fifth day, the fifth day being Friday. So all of our course plans, everything's written to where Friday is off. Even in the online academy, no assignments are due on Fridays, and and it's to give this family time and to sort of root things again back into what is truly the most important part of education and to give it back to the parents. And, you know, in that article that we've been discussing, it's it's something else that struck me was that the solutions that were sought in there had to do also within the same system. It's like that we don't have enough resources. We don't have enough people 
um, to, to be able to counsel these kids and all that. And my, my, my advice for listeners out there would be, um, not to seek this this uh, this this overall solution, this sweeping like government top down type of solution, unless you're in right. a position where where you can affect change there. But if not, it it has to start in the smallest possible place, which would be in the family with your own children, with cousins, with nieces or nephews who might be struggling, and that's really what homeschooling and home education, whether you do it through online classes or not with other teachers, that's really what it's what it's geared towards is putting it putting it back into the parents' hands to to be able to make these decisions and and trusting the parents and the parents learning to trust themselves that they can actually do this. I love what you just gave as an example of that Friday's off that we can get all our education done in four days. And it reminds me, Jordan, of my perspective when it comes to education. My oldest daughter is only two and a half years old, but I'm already thinking about it. And one of my concerns is I will definitely homeschool the first handful of years at the bare minimum because I think this whole 8 a.m. to 2 or 3 or 9 to 2 or 3, whatever it is for a child to be in school is ridiculous. They're so young. They need to be able to be outside, have fun, run, move around, yet the school system, I think, goes against them. And that causes stress for children, especially children so young, to be away from their parents for such a long period of time. And I know this is a sensitive topic. Uh, Not everyone feels like they have a lot of choices here, but this is the best choice we can make. And as parents choosing to have children, welcoming that gift of children requires a lot of sacrifice to make that. And Jordan, I'm hearing ever since the start of COVID, a lot of families who transitioned to homeschooling and they didn't necessarily just take, hey, here's your at-home packets, good luck during COVID, but they actually fully transitioned into a homeschooling model and they are so happy. So talk to me a little bit about Colby Academy and some of the resources for making this doable for parents who are saying, I'm not happy with the education system. Maybe there is a behavioral issue with my kid, depression, anxiety, suicide, but I'm terrified to embark on that journey of quote homeschooling my kid yeah that that you're you're right in in that a lot of people have transitioned once they tried it they got a front seat to their child's education during the pandemic and they didn't like what they saw in a lot of their schools and we welcome that at colby we well we welcome people to tune in and see what's happening and get involved so at colby we try to you, you know, as you said, that, that there are some people who who are not able to make that sacrifice, maybe financially or with time or whatever, and and to homeschool their children. And if you're not able to do that, we offer resources such as they can do full time online um, from K through 12. There's even starting to be a preschool option, so you can sort of outsource everything. A lot of more people are working from home, so you could just be in the other room. And that's one extreme at Colby. The other extreme is straight homeschooling where you get course plans and access to a whole staff of academic advisors who can walk you through every step of the way. And there, we've been around since 1980 dealing with um, people, encourage people who thought they couldn't do it. I say dealing with them. It's our pleasure to welcome people like that and encourage them. You can do it. And so with those two extremes, homeschooling everything yourself or doing the full online academy, there's everything in between. You can mix and match. You can do asynchronous courses, watching videos, and there's nothing but resources. And it's because we really believe in the mission. Everyone who's involved really believes that this is the best thing. So it's not just a job for anybody. It's a, it's a call. It's a call. And we want to call others into it and provide them what they need to be successful. 
That's one resource for you. If you've ever considered homeschooling, you can check out Colby Academy. That's colby.org forward slash relevant. You spell that K-O-L-B-E dot org forward slash relevant. We actually have a special offer for people who are listening to Relevant Radio. You guys actually have an offer of $49 off each student application, which is great. You can learn more at colby.org forward slash relevant. Do you guys have an open house coming up? Uh, I, we do. You have to check the website uh, to get the dates. But we have a lot of events coming up, promotional things and things that, where you can just come and get an idea of what Colby's about. And you could always just call call the number on the website, talk to an advisor. They'd be happy to help you. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. That's Jordan Almanzer from Colby Academy, a great resource. You can find them at kolbe.org forward slash relevant. I want to talk a little bit more about what's happening with this crisis from the emergency rooms. But before we do, I want to say thank you. If you supported us here at Relevant Radio over the last week during our pledge drive, we had a need of $3 million to continue to cover basic operating expenses. And thanks to your generosity, thanks to your prayers, we met that need. And we are so happy to continue to do the work to pray for you, your intentions. But if you still want to donate, it's not too late. We have a whole exciting project that we have been fundraising for across the country beyond our basic needs here at Relevant Radio to buy additional radio stations so that we can continue to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and the truth about human sexuality, the body, biblical anthropology of the human person across this nation. So it's not too late to donate. RelevantRadio.com or at the Relevant Radio app, which you need to download the Relevant Radio app if you haven't yet. I'll share a little bit with you later as to why, because I've mentioned it, but I haven't talked about it yet. I was banned on YouTube this summer, and it's actually pretty significant. I'll share with you why a little later on. So stay with me along with discussing topics, including the Queenship of Mary today on her feast day. So let's talk about this whole story of ER visits and how there's been a huge spike in children. They can't even meet the needs of all of these kids in the emergency room for mental health struggles from depression, anxiety, suicide, and aggressive behavior. What I want to talk about right now is something that I think pricks at every single parent's conscience because I think all of us can do better no matter where we're at, and that is working on spending time and being present with our children. Your time with your child is truly the best gift you can give your child. Not a house that's really nice, not their own room, not the best party, not the best phone, technology, vacation, or car. It's your time. And I think that it's easy to lose that perspective as a parent, especially with all of the things that are pulling at us for our attention. Your kid wants you, period. That's it. I was looking at a study earlier today that said the average father spends only 85 minutes per day with his family in total. And the whole article was talking about, well, the answer to that I was reading the testimony of one of the fathers who, when he realized that, he said, yeah, that's about what my day adds up to in terms of time with my family. And he realized all the extra time at the office. All of these other focuses weren't worth it. And he talked about how important time management and less work was. And even commented on the fact that to spend more time with your kids doesn't require more money because there's a lot of free things to do. 
I was actually looking at a study from the Kaiser Family Foundation and kids age 8 to 18 spend an average of seven and a half hours a day on screens for just fun time. We're not even talking about education. And four and a half of those hours a day are just them watching TV. Now, those numbers actually significantly increase if you look at just the high school age versus the middle school age and that under 10, 12-ish age. Here's the deal. Work will always be there. The next text message, the next phone call, the next social media post, the next video game, whatever it is, the next thing to clean, the next dish to clean, I get it. But what kids want and need is you, your presence and your undivided attention. Interestingly, Erica Kumazar is one of the guests we have here on Trending, and she's written a couple of books on childhood development, especially those formational years. And she talks about the zero to three age and also that really three to 10, 11, 12 year old age range. And what she's come forward with in her research that is a mainstream peer-reviewed research, her books are absolutely peppered with it, is what every psychologist she says knows. And she's not just a psychologist, she's a social worker as well. And what actually gives children the proper formation in terms of intellectual and emotional stability is the presence of parents, in particular mom. And this is a hard, this is a sensitive, this is a controversial topic in 2023, yet 60 years ago, not as much, 100 years ago, really not at all. Women understood that their greatest job was raising children. And the studies point to something fascinating. You want your kids to be resilient against the mental health crises today of anxiety, depression, suicide, aggressive behavior? Spend time with them. Be present. There's a great episode that we're going to link to on social media where we talk about building resilience in children with Erica Komazar. She's both a psychologist and a social worker. And she presents all the data. And she says her peers are scared to say this to parents because she doesn't want parents who are earning double incomes, parents who are focused on their career, to get mad at her, to stop coming to her to them in the situation where they're bringing their kids for psychological help, but they're not being told the total truth. And I get it. It's hard. It's hard making the time to do one more thing. Whether, and I think that when we talk about this, it's concrete. And I think it's a choice. Again, it's not easy. I think a lot of people find themselves married to two incomes. That wasn't what they wanted. A lot of women, statistics show majority of women don't want to work more than just part time. But we've married ourselves to a cost of living that often demands more. But there are choices that have to be made. And so let's talk about spending more time with kids. Erica Komazar is great in her work. She talks especially about younger children, toddlers, to just sit on the floor and spend more floor time with your kids. You should be sitting on the floor every day, engaging, not connected to your technology. A key thing is locking that phone away. I've been bad about my phone lately. I've mentioned that I've been dealing with some health issues this summer. And because of that, my head is just, you know, when you kind of have some brain fog, you're just not as focused as you usually are. And I'll tell you, my phone has been more of a distraction for me. Rather than acknowledging that a message or an email or something comes in, uh, in and saying, okay, I'll deal with that with a dedicated, blocked out time later, I'm just being pulled by this and I'm missing time out with my kids. 
I need accountability. I need to lock my phone away, leave it on a different floor, just put it on do not disturb, keep the ringer off. These are key things that all of us have the temptation toward. But what else can you do for choices? Just go outside and disconnect. Leave the phone inside. Play in the water. Go on a hike. Just sit in the grass. Have a picnic. Eat outside. Play a board game. Play some cards. Go camping. Set up a camping tent. We did this recently inside your house or outside of your house. There are a lot of free things to do both at home and not too far away. Putting a blanket out in the yard, that's what we do every day. We just throw a blanket out in the yard and we sit there and play. Maybe I start pruning the rose bushes. Maybe we take out the little pool and jump in it. Again, we bought it at the hardware store for I think the 10-ish dollars, the best choice. But here's the deal. This is what's helping to make your children resilient to anxiety, depression, suicide, and behavioral issues. It's your time. We need to spend less time paying psychologists and taking children to emergency rooms when at the end of the day, kids need their parents. And the secular revolution, the industrial revolution that has pushed against this attitude of the fundamental family life where even dads were more involved with their kids being present with them in a work environment, we need to get past modern ideologies and return to a holistic view that is a Catholic view of parents being the primary educators of their children in those moment-to-moment experiences we have to help build resilient and mentally healthy and behaviorally sound children. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I will be right back. We are going to talk about Our Lady. It's her feast day, the queenship of Our Lady. Maybe you've struggled to connect with her. We'll talk about that. And also, I've been banned on YouTube, like really banned. Three strikes. They they kept putting a hold on my account and then finally completely banned me, erased all my content. I'll talk to you about that in just a moment here on Trending. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I love our Marian feast days, and if you love Our Lady, today is a great day to celebrate her. If you want to know more about her and celebrate her, This is a great day. It's the Queenship of Mary. And I was asked this past week on Facebook by Myra a question, and I'm going to answer it in a moment, but I want to ask the question first because maybe you're in the same exact place. She said, you posted something about how Mary helps us, and if we release our anxiety to her, she helps. She said, my question is how? How do we build such confidence and surrender to Mary's help? She said, I love Mary, but just haven't learned to trust her. This is a great question. So today is the feast day of the Queenship of Mary. Understanding Our Lady as Queen of, as the Catholic Church teaches, heaven and earth. This is one of the mysteries in the decades of the rosary that we pray, the last of the glorious mysteries. So this has been a part of the church's teaching for many years. If we believe that Christ is the king, then he has a queen mother who is a Mary. Part of this tradition goes back to the Davidic kingdom that we read about in the Old Testament, where the Davidic kingdom, there was a very high place of honor and preferential treatment given to 
the queen mother. And that wasn't the wife of the king, but the mother of the king. And in many respects, we actually see in the Davidic kingdom, if something was requested by the queen mother, the mother of the king, to the king, he usually acquiesced and responded in kind to her request. And so many people would go to the queen mother if they needed something, sometimes even above the king in the Davidic kingdom. And so Our Lady is viewed as the queen mother, the queen of heaven and earth, who answers the requests of her son. And, or sorry, her, whose son answers her request. For example, our Lord didn't start his public ministry until Our Lady in her prompting at the wedding feast of Cana saw that there was a problem, saw that there was a problem of an embarrassing situation where the wedding couple is here feasting, celebrating their marriage, and the wine has run out. And it's very embarrassing. Our Lady, in her thoughtfulness, requests her son to perform a miracle and to, in performing water into wine. She tells the servants, the steward, to do whatever her son Jesus tells them to do. And so Our Lady gives us that example as filling that role of being the Queen Mother, that Jesus, her son, as King, answers in gives her everything and anything she wants. And so part of that intercession in turning to Our Lady is understanding that when we abandon our petitions, when we abandon ourselves to her loving care, she takes us to her son. She asks and begs of her son those things which are good for us. And so when we see this, we even see this beautiful devotion throughout the Old Testament, or sorry, throughout the early church of the early church fathers actually having this vision already, this perspective of Our Lady as queen. In fact, St. Ephraim, who is a Lebanese Maronite Catholic, actually talks about in his prayer, if we read some of his prayers that he wrote to Our Lady, he says, Majestic and Heavenly Lady, Queen, protect and keep me under your wing, Let lest Satan, the sower of destruction, glory over me, lest my wicked foe be victorious against me. So St. Ephraim is praying to Our Lady in her heavenly majesty as queen to protect him, especially from Satan, against Satan, against Satan having the sense of glory because he's triumphed and pulling St. Ephraim's soul away from God, or in those wicked foes being victorious over St. Ephraim. Likewise, that we actually read from another early church father, St. Germanus. And if you don't know what an early church father is, it's someone who lived really before essentially the year 500. So these are people who were in those first generations immediately after the apostles and also during that time where a lot of heresy was being worked out within the context of the church. And so St. Germanus is one of them and he talks about Our Lady when he says, Be enthroned, Lady, for it is fitting that you should sit in an exalted place since you are a queen and glorious above all kings. He likewise goes on to call her queen of all those who dwell on earth. And that's significant because the church's teaching is actually that Our Lady is queen of heaven and of earth. And so her sovereign rule is something that we should ponder on this feast day. This is part of the reason why I love consecration to Our Lady. This idea from St. Louis de Montfort and many of the other saints who have consecrated their lives to Our Lady and give us that model of consecration, talk about how everything is through, with, and in 
the Blessed Virgin Mary because she takes everything through within to Jesus, that she is completely abiding in him. And again, she teaches us to do whatever he tells us to do. So I want to come back to that question. Myra on Facebook said, my question is how? How do you build such confidence and surrender to turn to Our Lady's help? She said, I love Mary, but just haven't learned to trust her. Well, how, how do you learn to trust her? By trusting her the same way Jesus did, the same way God did. That when he came to her and said, behold, you will conceive a son, she says yes. She gives her fiat, be it done unto me according to thy word. So first, how do we trust her? By doing as Jesus did. And as Jesus said, what did he say on the cross? His, some of his last words, his dying wish on the cross was turning to the beloved apostle John, who is a representative of you and I in the church. We are John. Imagine you are at the foot of the cross. And Jesus turns to you and says, behold your mother. And then looks to his mother and says, behold your son or behold your daughter. That's what Jesus has done. He has given us this great intercessor, this great love in our lives of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So behold your mother. Do as Jesus tells you. How do you behold her? Well, it starts with honoring her as a mother. Simple things and traditions that the church has held have included praying the rosary and praying it daily for her intercession before the heavenly throne. Even this acknowledgement that whenever her name is said, that a slight bow of the head is made in honor of her and her name. It becomes a prayer, an act of worship. Also enthroning a statue of her, putting a statue of her in your home, in your garden, wearing a medal of Our Lady. I love wearing medals of Our Lady, especially, I'm not as big of a necklace person, more so love bracelets. And so I love to have a bracelet of Our Lady. Consecrating yourself to her, entrusting yourself to her the same way St. John entrusted himself to Our Lady as Jesus told him. And if you're still wondering, how do I learn to trust Our Lady? Ask, ask for a deeper relationship with the Blessed Virgin Mary. Ask for confidence in surrendering yourself, your belongings, your desires, your hopes, and your sorrows to her intercession. There's a reason why in the rosary we pray for three things at the beginning. On those first three Hail Marys, we pray for faith, hope, and charity. They're theological virtues. So pray for faith, faith that helps you in asking for the intercession of Our Lady to take you to her son. And again, the best way to turn to a devotion to Our Lady is truly praying your rosary daily in honor of her, asking her intercession, and with that, abandoning your request to her hands. I will tell you, being consecrated to Our Lady has been so key for me in my own life, of truly abandoning my desires, hopes, things. This radio show, this program, Trending, is dedicated, is given, and completely consecrated to Our Lady, and she provides she provides in so many ways for our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our struggles, our sorrows, our failures. She will help in providing the grace by interceding to her son for us. Happy feast day of the queenship of Mary. You're listening to Trending with Timmery here on Relevant Radio. Again, I want to thank you if you supported the work we're doing here at Relevant Radio and our pledge drive. We were able to meet our need of $3 million, but onward and upward, we still have work to do. And let's talk about how you can support our work so that we can continue to grow. That is donate relevantradio.com or the Relevant Radio app. And a call came in saying that I said to worship Mary and I 
if I did say that, I don't think I did, but if I did say that, it was a slip of the tongue. We do not, just to clarify, we do not worship Our Lady. We revere and honor her. And that is, I believe what I said, but just to clarify, because we all slip up sometimes, we do not worship Our Lady because you can only worship God, but we give great honor to Our Lady. We revere her. And so just an important clarification because that, that can be confusing if we don't make that distinction. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. I want to talk about YouTube. So, love it or hate it, YouTube is there. A lot of people listen actually to Trending or Discover Trending on YouTube. I've actually done some pretty big projects with media outlets that are exclusively airing their content on YouTube. And here's the deal. This summer, I've had a couple videos over the last couple of years be banned, but there has been a vendetta out. Some of us really hate what we do on Trendy because a bunch of my videos have been reported, trying to report us for using music we shouldn't use. Actually, we own the music that we use for the show, in for that start and end the show, all kinds of different things. Uh, people even trying to say, I've already seen this program somewhere else. Yeah, maybe on Apple, and it's my voice, my content. Um, it, it's really interesting to see what they YouTube actually allows people to report on but here's what happened at the beginning of the summer one of my videos was reported on having to do with the abortion breast cancer leak that is the factual peer-reviewed research that's a mainstream secular studies show this that when a woman has an abortion she increases her likelihood to have breast cancer other cancers too but specifically breast cancer because the tissue in the breast increases and in the beginning parts in the middle part of pregnancy those the volume of tissue called lobules increases but they're in the earliest stages known as as lobules one and two and lobules one and two are cancer vulnerable and when pregnancy comes toward its end and the baby is given birth to during that transition toward the end of pregnancy, those lobules mature into glands that can help to produce milk. And that breast tissue actually matures into cancer resistant tissue. It's incredible. But here's the deal. People are trying to say that's not factual. I'm misrepresenting medical data. And lo and behold, I'm banned on YouTube for a week. So I wait, I get my account back up, I have to reset all of these different things on the account. And then, lo and behold, within a day or two, I have another video banned. And this time I'm banned for two or three weeks, I think it was, over the summer. And this was a video having to do with the fact, the fact that aborted baby parts were used in the research and development and in the actual vaccines for COVID, the COVID vaccines, and they tried to ban me. All of this is out in public knowledge, public data. It was a very old episode. Someone must have been trying to dig to find something that they could somehow get YouTube to ban me over. So now I'm banned for two or three weeks. I wait for everything to come back up. I need to re-upload content and fix all these different things. It was a, a mess to try and fix. And I'm already kind of seeing the writing on the wall because they keep sending me these notifications saying, if you have one more video that doesn't meet our guidelines for YouTube, we are banning you forever. Well, Next thing you know, I don't even get a notification and I try to log on to YouTube to probably play the wheels on the bus for the 10,000th time for my daughter. It's I just will play the, the song through there and <laughs> trying to play different versions of it because I'm so sick of the song. She loves it. She loves it so much. And 
lo and behold i can't even get into my account i can't even view playlists like private playlists i've saved from workout videos to kids music to advent songs and the compilation of videos for years along with every single episode of trending that's been on youtube all of my subscribers are blocked every channel i can't see a thing i was given no notification this time i I am pretty sure that the video, because it was already kind of, I was getting warnings for it, that I was banned over was the link between contraception and its side effects, including the fact that contraception can cause cancer, that is breast cancer, so and along with other cancers. So here's the deal. YouTube's banned me. I don't know if I'll be able to get the channel back up and running. I have multiple. I have more than three peer-reviewed mainstream secular resources to throw up on each of these areas, what they, which they claim are medical misinformation. But here's the deal. People don't like to hear truth. And if you share something that's contrary to, quote, their truth, what they believe, they're going to try and cancel you today. And the work we're doing here at Relevant Radio is so important because we're telling the truth about medicine, such as birth control, abortion, vaccines, helping to give informed consent, to give true information, to help build up men and women and children and keep us healthy and safe and faith-filled worshiping God. And yet, YouTube is going along with anyone who wants to stop that agenda, along with most of secular media. So, if you want to continue to see us do the work we do, this is why we actually buy and purchase our own radio stations. This is why we are one of, if you didn't know this, one of the largest radio networks in the nation. It's pretty incredible. I think we're in the top 10 or 12. And this is why we have put so much effort into building up the relevant radio app. Because there you can go without any interruptions, without any reporting, without losing access to content to actually listen to our programs. You can subscribe in other places, whether it's Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your content. But we can't always guarantee that Catholic faith-filled content will always be there. So be sure to download the Relevant Radio app. It's clearer, actually, than listening in the car. You can send it, text episodes to a friend. And I'm there. I hope you'll join me there and we'll continue to spread the work we're doing. So if you hate that we got canceled on YouTube and completely banned and I just lost everything there, please share your favorite episodes of Trending with a Friend. Love to see a little bit of encouragement. You can tag me. Let me know why you love love trending and let me know what you'd like to hear discussed on the show as well so it's great to be with you i'll be right back continuing our series on theology of the body we're talking about what you're thinking about you're listening to trending with timory on relevant radio and the relevant radio app what do you think Jesus would say to the cultural ideologies we face? The medical technologies that are coming in direct conflict with Catholic Church teaching, but also in direct conflict and confrontation with our own lives, with our desire to have children, with our identities. That's a key question, and this is specifically why I chose to kick off this series in Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body because it was prophetic and antidotal. It unpacks a biblical anthropology, which is the only, the only anthropology we should look to as Catholics. 
And we're coming to the conclusion of the first section of Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. We've actually made it through 23 of his talks in the last, I think, month and a half or so. And it's great because there's so much to unpack. And this last, this last catechetical talk in the first part of Theology of the Body is really addressing this key idea that we need to have an integral vision of the human person and with that understand what would Jesus' response be to the cultural questions we have now just as we've unpacked in these last weeks over the last month and a half that Jesus in being confronted by the Pharisees over the topic of divorce, remarriage, male and femaleness, that he appeals back to the beginning. He said in Matthew 19 and similarly in Mark 10, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. He reiterates the same thing in Mark chapter 10 when confronted about divorce. And so what Pope St. John Paul II says is that we know what sort of questions about marriage and family are being addressed today. The same questions. Pope St. John Paul II says that they are being asked by single persons, by married and engaged couples, by young people, but also writers, journalists, politicians, economists, demographers, and some by contemporary culture and civilizations. We are still asking questions about sexuality, about marriage, about maleness and femaleness. And this is why Pope St. John Paul II says he starts with a biblical anthropology from the beginning, appealing back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, that primordial vision of the human person that God had intended from the beginning. Rather than looking at ourselves strictly as fallen human beings in a state of concupiscence in need of baptism, which we are and we do need, he wants us to understand that view of the human person in what he refers to as original innocence, a grace-filled life. And that that is what we must return to. And this is what we'll be unpacking moving forward in the rest of the sections of Pope St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. And so what Pope St. John Paul II encourages us to understand is that among the answers that Christ would give to our questions now today, that Jesus Christ, he said, would appeal first of all to the beginning yet again. So let me just point out a few examples where we would see this. For example, Jesus, what do you think about gender ideology? Is there such a thing as male and female? Can a man really be trapped in a woman's body? What if someone really says that they're experiencing depression and anxiety and they think they'd be happier if they were just allowed to, quote, transition? We'll take the exact words Jesus Christ said. Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Then Jesus talks about the generative dimension of the body, that man and woman unite together, becoming one flesh, therefore the potential for new life. And also, what about divorce though? Jesus, what do you think about divorce? Well, he's already answered that. Therefore, what God has joined together and let no one separate. The covenant we enter into in the sacrament of marriage is for life till death do us part in sickness and health for richer or poorer. Uh, these are key elements of the sacrament that we enter into, a covenant before God. Well, 
what about if you're what about if I'm struggling to have children? Can I use in vitro fertilization, surrogacy, and any other number of so-called reproductive technologies, third-party reproductive technologies? What does God appeal to? What does Jesus say? That the two unite and the two become one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no one separate. From contraception to abortion to third-party reproductive technologies, we're using physical barriers, chemical barriers. We're taking the act of the generative dimension, the generative meaning of the body, as Pope St. John Paul II refers to, and we're taking it out of the context of marriage and creating new human life without respecting the mystery of new life, the co-creation with God, the Creator, of the spouses and God without even understanding the generative meaning of the body. And as we were discussing yesterday, yesterday, the mysterious element of that Pope St. John Paul II in this 23rd of his catechetical talks talks about how the, the fact that theology also includes the body should not astonish us. He says, or surprise anyone who is conscious of the mystery and reality of the incarnation. So he's saying that, Theology of the body makes sense. We shouldn't be surprised that we're talking about a theology of body. Because if we understand the mystery and reality of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the mystery and reality of the generative dimension of the human body, we should understand there's a mystery and a blueprint for our very bodies. Pope St. John Paul II says, So many human beings and so many Christians search in marriage for fulfillment of their vocation. So many want to find in marriage... He says the way of salvation and holiness. And he gives, Pope St. John Paul II gives a key guide here in saying that theology of the body is that solution. And I remember when I was first reading the actual text of theology of the body, not just a commentary, not just a book, but actually reading the text, I took this and highlighted it and took it to heart. Pope St. John Paul II, in talking about this theology of the body, says those who seek the fulfillment of their own human and Christian vocation and marriage are called first of all, to make the theology of the body, whose beginning we find in the first chapters of Genesis, the content of their lives and behavior. What did Pope St. John Paul II just say? Study Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Make this original vision of the human person the content of your life and your behavior. Understanding original innocence, understanding original happiness, as Pope St. John Paul II enunciates in his theology of the body saying that through the boundary between original innocence and and happiness that this is where we find the inheritance that is made for us even after the fall of the human person even after the fall in genesis chapter 3 and that what we need to discover he says is the redemption of the body this is through the church this is through the grace of the sacraments this is through the mystery of jesus christ and the great gift of the offering he made on the cross. Pope St. John Paul II is encouraging us to take seriously the content of theology, understanding it within the context of our body, that it's the blueprint for our lives, and that we need to make this the content and behavior of our day-to-day -day interactions and lives. This is why we're unpacking Theology of the Body. It's the antidote to the cultural ideologies and crises we face from infertility, from divorce, remarriage, questioning identity of maleness and femaleness. I hope you'll join us in this series of Theology of the Body as we continue to slowly unpack our biblical anthropology so that we are confident and joy-filled 
and saying yes to what Jesus Christ is calling us to. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Wednesday on Trending, we're going to talk about a topic I love, hospitality. Have you ever thought about how hospitable you are, basic things you can do in your house to be more hospitable? We'll discuss that, and also another guest will join me to discuss fashion, vanity, and modesty. I love fashion. She comes from the fashion industry. So join me Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.